0: As the boards relook at the roles and responsibilities of the committees, we may see a shift in that, whether that means compensation committees get closer to audit, whether that means nominating governance if they have additional ESG, or other responsibilities get closer to compensation. What I do think we will see over the next couple of years, a shifting of the premiums at the different committees.
1: Welcome to the Executive Compensation Podcast. On this show, we discuss all aspects of executive compensation. Whether you're a compensation committee member, a seasoned compensation professional, or just curious to learn more about executive compensation, then this show is the answer. Each episode brings you a focused and actionable interview on specific topics of executive compensation. This episode is brought to you by Meridian Compensation Partners. Meridian works with compensation committees to ensure the most effective processes are in place to go beyond mere compliance with governance requirements and create healthy dynamic relationships between the board, management, and its advisors. Meridian helps boards use compensation to attract and retain critical talent and to make informed business decisions that will link pay and performance, drive business results, increase shareholder value, and mitigate potential risks. Learn more at meridiancp.com. Today, we're speaking with Dan Kaufman, partner, and Jessica Page, lead consultant at Meridian Compensation Partners, all about director pay. Hey there, Dan and Jessica. Thank you both for joining this episode of the Executive Compensation Podcast, where today we're going to be speaking all about director pay, Uh, To start things off, can you both quickly just take a brief moment to introduce yourself and your roles with uh, Meridian Compensation Partners?
0: Hi, Jake. Thank you for having us. My name is Dan Kaufman. I'm a
1: partner in our Atlanta office with Meridian.
2: And I'm Jessica Page, a lead consultant in our Lake Forest office.
1: Well, let's dive right in. So the first question we really have to talk about today is, How do companies currently structure director compensation programs? You know, I think we've
0: seen over a number of years, you know, probably over the last five to 10 years, director compensation programs really become fairly generic. There's uh, really three main components that we see uh, within the programs, you know, cash retainers paid for board service, equity grants paid for, once again, typically for board service, and then some version of committee service for either chairmanship on the main committees or membership within the committees. What's a little bit unique about director pay as compared to executive compensation is the role of the committee or the role of the board for that matter, is really more of a oversight role, risk management and less about performance. Because of that, you you see Boards have moved to shorter tenure, one year vesting for equity awards, aligning with their tenure on the board and non-classified boards and, and many boards going to one year elections of directors. But you also don't see performance based pay, so you don't see bonus programs tied to financial metrics very often. You don't see stock options within equity programs as they generally are viewed as performance based vehicles and, and may drive the wrong behavior from under risk oversight. And then you don't typically see performance based equity as well. So when you grant equity or cash, it's typically just purely service based for the role of time commitment on the board and less about performance of the company.
2: And I'd say probably about 10 years ago, there seemed to be a shift from meeting fees as a whole towards increasing that component in the retainer. So most programs have been streamlined at this point to incorporate any committee service into an overall retainer and then possibly adding in member retainers as well.
0: You do still see, you know, just at that point, I think you do see, you know, to say that we've seen meeting fees be reduced is accurate. I don't think we've seen them go away. We still see a number of companies use meeting fees. I think a lot of times smaller startups who are still trying to figure out how many meetings that they're going to be having per year, they haven't gotten to a normal cadence. May still have meeting fees. It allows for more direct tie to the uncertainty of the amount of work. You know, you may have three meetings a year, you may have 15 meetings a year. And if if there's that much uncertainty, you know, meeting fees can still play a role. As Jessica said, I think the simplicity of a retainer only approach has really taken over at the larger companies and even mid sized companies over the last, you know, five to 10 years.
2: And Dan, that's a great point. I also think we see it by industry as well. That there's some, you know, some have retained that meeting fee benefit.
1: And so how did the pandemic impact director pay for 2020 and 2021?
2: Although it, it was a minority practice, we did see some director pay programs reduce the quantum of the, the benefit, um, particularly if executive pay was also reduced. There were also very limited increases in pay last year, some increases that were even approved early in the year were actually rolled back prior to their effective date as company as the uncertainty of the pandemic continued. Last year, I also think that even when companies did review pay, they held pay steady, but a lot of companies even deferred the, the annual review of director pay to this year.
0: I agree with all of that. I think around the, the levels and, and it's definitely an interesting year and lots of conversations. I felt one of the most unique things that came out of last year probably had to do with the stock market movement and the difference in the timing of equity awards that are made to directors versus executives. So uh, you know, while not every company, the most typical approach is that executives receive their equity awards in Q1 Directors receive the equity awards typically at their annual meeting upon re-election to the board, so call it May, June, July timeframe. Well, as you remember back in 2020, the market was a a bit volatile, should I say, between January and July. And there were many situations where executives received grants pre-pandemic crash at a level, you know, let's just use a hypothetical level of $100 per share. The market came down and started recovering, but when the directors were receiving their equity early summer, the share price may still have been at 50 or 60. So the question came up, what do you do if there's a misalignment between the equity awards being granted to directors from a price perspective and what was done for executives? There's conversations around whether you use the price that was used for executives, do you haircut the awards, do you grant them as is? Ultimately, I think the most common practice in those those situations was to let them play out. You know, there's if you look back historically, there's always gonna be a difference. In some years it's it's beneficial that the, you know, awards to directors are at a high at a lower price than executives, and other times it's at a higher price. And really it evens out over time. But it did the magnitude of the change last year, I think drove some really interesting conversations amongst my clients on whether or not that timing misalignment could create some issues not only last year, but in the future.
2: I also think that it, because it highlighted that topic about the timing of the director pay, uh, director equity grants, we saw some companies wondering if they should move it, you know, should it be aligned with the executives and should it be, you know, aligned with their election to the board? I did have, you know, some conversations with clients where we discussed, how would you move it? Would you, you know, grant a different award in 2021 to push, you know, from February to May. Um, And I I think we might see some clients, if they aren't already aligned with the annual meeting, they might shift towards that.
0: This is really driven by the fact that, and we didn't talk about it earlier, but the equity awards are generally denominated as value. So they're generally denominated as as a fixed value. That you receive in shares based upon the grant date value of those shares, and that's what's creating the disconnect. There are some companies that grant fixed number of shares, and that wouldn't be driving that. That's a minority practice, but it really is driven by the way that most boards determine their compensation is for the equity portion is is dividing by the share price on the date of grant.
1: Seeing kind of those changes that have happened over this year and the past year. What trends do you expect in 2022 for Director Pay?
0: I think one of the biggest trends that we're already seeing amongst our clients and our conversations that we're having and will be obviously disclosed in in next year's proxies is around levels. As Jessica said, many companies either froze increases that they otherwise would have put in place. Some companies temporarily reduced their compensation during the pandemic and very few companies made changes late last year going into 2021, given the uncertainty. So where in a normal year, you may have 30 to 40% of companies making changes to their director compensation program, and really the cadence typically is that you know companies make changes every other year, every third year to their director program, they're not adjusting it every year. Well, because you have a year or two with fewer changes, you now have a situation where this year instead of 30% of companies making changes, it may be 60% or 70%, I'm not sure what that number is. And therefore what you're gonna see is, well, every individual company may not be many, much different than they would have otherwise done, the overall market's likely to move because you have a higher percentage of companies moving at the same time. So I do think when we look back historically, you know, it's been pretty consistent that director compensation moves at two to three, two to 4% per year overall. I think when we look at the change going into 2022, the market is likely to move at a higher percentage, You know whether that's three to five or four to six, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But it is going to be higher than we've seen historically and, and coming off of a year with little to no change for 2021. So I think that's one trend that we'll see. The other trend that we're having conversations, and this is probably over the last couple of years, is around committee responsibility. For example, within the compensation committee, conversations are having around broader than just executive compensation. There are you know, general human capital succession planning, to a certain degree, ESG for some compensation committees. And as the responsibilities expand, you know should the compensation for those committee chairs and or members also expand? You know, historically, we've had a three-tiered approach to, to committee membership or committee chair premiums. Typically, the audit committee gets paid the most of the main three committees from a chair perspective due to the responsibility work, Sarbanes-Oxley and other items. Then you had a second tier, which was typically your compensation committee. This really came out over the last decade with Dodd-Frank, say on pay, additional responsibilities and risk for the compensation committee. And then you had your other committees nominating governance. And then many times, you know, if you had a technology or other committees on a third tier, I think as the boards relook at the roles and responsibilities of the committees, we may see a shift in that. And whether that means compensation committees get closer to audit, whether that means nominating governance if they have additional ESG or other responsibilities get closer to compensation, I think is possible. But I do think we will see over the next couple of years a shifting of the premiums at the different committees, and you know potentially the differentiation amongst the three changing or or being reduced.
2: And I would add one one additional um, factors. We continue to see the streamlining of director pay, and to Dan's point, you know even having those different tiers kind of level out to the same. It would be another way to streamline the director pay program. With a trend in removing meeting fees and possibly even member retainers, we are seeing a trend coming out that I really like. I think it balances the time a committee member works on the board versus those others that maybe don't have as much membership responsibilities. So we're seeing thresholds being built into the programs where you know the annual retainer is compensating board members for committee service on you know one committee but for those members that are on two committees maybe there's an additional member retainer fee or for committees that have a lot of meetings perhaps there's a an additional meeting fee when the number of meetings exceeds seven so that for those committees that are meeting 10 12 times a year they're getting paid for that additional service Whereas the annual retainer is taking care of the first you know four to seven meetings.
0: One other thing, I think I think that's right, and I, you know I, we'll see if that becomes more. you know, I think it's a minority practice right now for the you know, you sit on one committee, it's included in your retainer, and you sit on more, it's it's not. But it is an interesting idea, and I had that client, uh, conversation. I think the other thing around the increases that we'll see is not just the past and looking back as we as I was saying earlier, that we haven't had changes for a number of years. But there it tends to in a growing competition amongst corporate directors. With the increased focus on certain skill sets, whether that be technology, e-commerce, or or some other skill set, as well as a push for more diverse boards from all aspects of race, gender, et cetera, there's more competition for certain groups of directors right now, and it's putting more pressure on director compensation programs to make sure that they're competitive because if you're going out and competing for this group of qualified directors that's a small group that checks whatever boxes that you may be trying to check around skill set and diversity well your peer companies across the street are also probably trying to recruit those those same directors so i do think it is putting more pressure on not just the compensation levels but also around the structure of the programs Do you have initial equity awards instead of just ongoing awards? So almost more of a recruitment of directors, which I don't think historically has been the case.
1: So to shift gears a little bit, do companies typically have a mandatory retirement age for directors?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, Jake. I think about half of companies have established a mandatory retirement policy for directors typically between ages 72 and 75 we do see some companies waiving that for those directors that are continuing to add to significant value to the board i think what's interesting about mandatory retirement ages and there's a couple
0: of things to it i think it's a it tends to be a way to ease the conversation for older directors or longer tenure directors in terms of you know not just board refreshment but you know maybe a director is not contributing at the same level as they as others or may once have uh, and having the mandatory age Eases the conversation for the board chair or the CEO to have a conversation on on why that individual maybe should roll off of the board. However, as Jessica indicated, there's a lot of times where they're making exceptions. So you know you may have a mandatory retirement age and you can't stand for a reelection if you're 75, but if there's a highly contributing member of the board that everyone wants to keep on, they'll waive that. I do think we have starting to see some pressure on that practice. That if you state that you have a mandatory retirement age, and then every single time it comes up, you're waiving it, we may see proxy advisors or other shareholders have some concerns over that. Others may not, because if it's the right candidates and and the right individuals, but I do think as long as it doesn't negatively impact you know, the idea of board refreshment and that not all of your your directors are are have been there for you know 20 years and and you're not getting the diversity of thought with with newer members.
1: It's great. And so what do you see for special committees or when existing committees have extra workloads in any given year?
0: So I think there's really a couple of different ways to handle special committees. You know, if you think about a special committee, you know, it can be anything from a CEO search, a special project, or really anything else that the board is set, uh, asked to set up a special committee for. Many times you don't know what that level of effort will be. You know, upfront, it may be for a month, it may be a committee for a year. Other times, you you may have more insight and expectations. And I think that's where you kind of see the difference in the way companies structure pay. For the situation where you're fairly clear on the amount of time, effort that that new committee, whether it's an ongoing long-term committee or a short-term special committee, the effort that it will take, generally you would peg it towards one of your other committees. You know, if this amount of effort is similar to the compensation committee or the nominating governance committee, what are we paying members and or chairs on those committees? And that's likely a reasonable starting point for the conversation. However, if in the case of the unknown situation, it may last a short period of time, may last a long period of time. I have had many clients say, well, we're going to do one of two things. We're going to go back towards a meeting fee approach. So we're gonna pay you for the time that you're meeting on those committees and that should count the additional effort that you have outside of those meetings. Or we're gonna wait till after this committee, which is a temporary committee is dissolved or gets past its first full year. And we'll look back and say, well, how much effort was that? And we'll make a special stipend award, retainer award retroactively for the time and the effort that it took on that committee. And really that allows the flexibility because you know many times you don't know if it's going to be a few candidates that you search for uh, or your interview, or this is a you know six month, nine month process that takes substantial effort amongst the the board members who are on that committee.
2: so Dan, it sounds like it's more the age old. It depends, but it sounds like it really does depend on the committee, what the committee's responsibilities are, probably the company. And overall, it just must pass kind of the smell test or or is the board comfortable with the quantum or the level of pay or the structure of pay?
0: And I think that's right. And I think even with director pay in general, the values that we talk about for director pay as compared to executive compensation or or other compensation are, are relatively small from a magnitude perspective. You want to pay your board fairly. You want your directors to be compensated fairly. These aren't amount that, you know, the extra few thousand dollars or five thousand dollars is changing the way that they act or behave or their lifestyle. But, you know, really director pay for, for much of it is a fairness. You know, you want to reward or, or compensate these directors for their service and you want to fairly compensate them. And if that means that they're on this extra committee and they're working twice as hard as their peers, you want to make sure you're compensating them appropriately for that time and effort.
2: Dan, you brought up the peer compensation and I I just always find it very interesting that, you know, contrary to executive benchmarking analyses, when you do a director pay benchmarking analysis, that quantum from the 25th to the 75th percentile is usually pretty narrow. So really kind of identifying what the peers are doing and aligning the quantum with that is really how you would establish the market competitiveness of your pay program.
0: Yeah, it generally is a, a fairly narrow range. And, and I think that's why you also see when people make adjustments, they're you know making adjustment to get slightly ahead of market and then waiting a year or two for the market to catch up. And they're not big moves. Right. They're a leapfrog approach to compensation a little bit.
1: As we wrap up here, is there any other final points you guys would like to share just about director pay with the audience here?
0: You know, I, I think the only thing I would add, as I kind of was stating in terms of the magnitude here, you know, director compensation is an area where you have a fair amount of flexibility unless you push the boundaries to uh, really to the nth degree. Proxy advisors, for example, have, have come out with their policies on director compensation. And generally it requires you to be in not just the top half, top quartile, but you know the top few percentile points of director compensation. So this is not an area that generally drives criticism with the exception of that it's a weird situation where directors are setting their own pay. So your board sets director compensation. And we have seen other governance items go into place around limits to director compensation built into their plans to really protect the directors from that. Because they're setting their pay, they have the overall governance structure to say that it can't be above a certain amount and reduce the chance of lawsuits or, or issues. But overall, you know, director compensation generally is not a topic that drives a lot of scrutiny or or shareholder issues.
1: Well, thank you both for taking the time to come on here today. I appreciate you sharing all of this.
0: Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Jake. We appreciate it.
1: This episode is brought to you by Meridian Compensation Partners. Meridian works with compensation committees to ensure the most effective processes are in place to go beyond mere compliance with governance requirements and create healthy dynamic relationships between the board, management, and its advisors. Meridian helps boards use compensation to attract and retain critical talent and to make informed business decisions that will link pay and performance, drive business results, increase shareholder value, and mitigate potential risks. Learn more at meridiancp.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Executive Compensation Podcast. You can see more about this episode along with additional executive compensation insights at meridiancp.com. That's Meridian,
2: the letter C, and the letter p.com.